people are looking at the value action gap, one of the things that they'll find is you're talking about human behavioral change. And how do you make change? You need to make change to systems. And you can't make change to systems if it's not an authentic piece of your business. Welcome to the Responsibly Different Podcast, sharing stories and insights from people harnessing purchasing power to improve the world. Welcome to the Responsibly Different Podcast. I'm Ben Marine. I'm super excited. Uh, for one, this episode is a milestone in our journey with Responsibly Different and our B Corp certification. Today marks the 50th episode, and this month marks our two years of producing this show and sharing our B Corp journey with all of you. So, in the spirit of sharing, it seems time for me to share with all of you a bit about Deergo Collective and introduce you to a couple of team members here. So on today's episode is Chris Marine, founder of Deergo Collective, also proud to say my brother, and David Gogel, the president of Deergo Collective. They're going to unpack the value action gap and how Deergo is working to amplify the impact of people harnessing purchasing power as a force for good. And be sure you stick around till the very end. I've got some big B Corp news to share, especially in our little journey here. So excited to have you here. Let's jump on in. Chris, can you share with us how Deergo was born, how it was started, and how we got to where we are today? Yeah, Deergo Collective was really started on a commuter train from Boston to Maine. I was working at a, a large media company down in Boston. And previously to that, I had worked for other media companies and as a broadcast journalist and producer before. And I was really just feeling tired of the same old when it came to how media was thought of for everything from small businesses to large agencies. I worked with such a scale of businesses and there was, I felt like a lot of opportunity to be able to use media as a platform to share businesses and their, and their founders, their true story and purpose. And also with the idea of starting a business of of my own that would turn into something that was a platform for something much greater. So it was, how can I use what I know in media and working with businesses that really range the gambit? And how could we have a business that really was a platform for something? And that's why from the beginning, Deergo Collective has stood for so much more than outside of just media and marketing, because um, we're really trying to look out for our community and look out for the environment in the best way we can. And how can we best use our platform to do that? That's awesome. And you were a journalist too, right? Before you got into ad sales. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that has informed this work? Yeah. So I started out as a broadcast multimedia journalist uh, and producer for the NBC affiliate in Portland, Maine. And that's really where my love for understanding people and how to almost be at that time watchdog journalism was something that was talked about a lot. And I think that just kind of stuck with me. And that whole premise is really, how can you look out for the people that trust you with their stories? So when I went into advertising after being a journalist, it really just came out of most things that I've followed in life, which is strictly out of curiosity. I got into advertising sales because I wanted to know how the news that we were making, how it was impacted and how it was packaged up and how the inner workings of the machine was kind of sold and working outside of the newsroom. Uh, so I took that uh, idea, though, of just how can I bring truth and transparency into advertising through advertising sales at Tegna and later uh, Sinclair and Cox Media. I took that through to advertising sales and just noticed that there was uh, so much that just because the, the systems that have been in place in advertising for the past 50, 60 years and before that, there just wasn't a true, there was a gap in how people were investing into media and why they were investing into media and how they were using that platform. So I wanted to kind of expose how 
data, how audiences are consuming stories, even outside of news, news and entertainment, and then how brands could be using that in a more powerful way. That's so cool. And Dave, tell us a little bit about how you heard about Deergo and, and, and what brought you here. Yeah. So I first heard about Deergo actually in a meeting at an, uh, uh, another agency. Uh, so we were in a meeting. Uh, we had just started a conversation about uh, working on a client that was actually a Deergo Collective client already. And we were going to be partnering with Deergo Collective on some work. And in that meeting, everybody was kind of talking about uh, all the cool things Darigo was doing and how and how they were positioned differently. And uh, after the meeting, so the meeting after the meeting, uh, I was uh, uh, going to grab a cup of coffee with one of the strategists, and was and she was like, you know what, like you would really really dig them. We should we should have a we should have a coffee meeting. So uh, myself and that strategist and and Chris, we grabbed coffee um, at a coffee shop in Yarmouth and just talked about the world and kind of the role that marketing and advertising plays in it and and how um, it could be better uh, and how companies could be better. And uh, it was a really inspiring conversation that I think was scheduled to be like a half an hour coffee that ended up being two hours. And I left that coffee saying, I hope that I get to work there one day. And uh, I think a few months later, uh, the world changed and uh, uh, we were, you know, we were kind of in the opening weeks of the pandemic. Uh, I think it was March of 2020. Uh, and I reached out to Chris and, and the rest is history. That's amazing. That's so awesome. I love that. Uh, so, you know, we get this question all the time. I'd be curious to hear how you both respond to it. What exactly does Deergo Collective do? And uh, who do you serve? Yeah, so it goes back to kind of that original premise of Moving, how can we move people from being passively aware to actively engaging with brands and their stories? And so what that means is that goes across from media consulting, that goes across um, uh, responsibly different ventures. It, it goes across how locally in our community here in Maine, how we've started a co-working space and how we're helping kind of entrepreneurs that are like-minded in the creative and media spaces to give them uh, a place of, of resource and, and how we can bring the community into this physical space. So how we move people from passive awareness to active engagement is really just this idea that to what Dave was talking about previously, there's always been this model in marketing and advertising where it's just how can you get messages blasted out there? And it's especially in today's world, people are so much more self-aware of themselves and the world around them. And so we've been inspired for years of, okay, how can we not just keep getting in front of people, but actually bring them along and get them involved with the brand and their story. Cause we believe brands have a really powerful force to play in on our, on our planet and, and the communities that we serve and the communities that we serve are so vast because we have our local community where we work and live, but then we have the communities of the brands that we work with that span um, the country and then through their supply chains, the globe. So when we talk about our community, it's such a bigger picture of um, how we're servicing them through media, consulting, and consulting in the last couple of years has really moved into uh, talking more about sustainability and, and environmental impact. So that passive awareness act engagement is kind of our North Star when, when we think about working with folks. And it's been so interesting throughout our B Corp certification process to do that deep work of identifying the communities that we serve, how we interact with them, um, and how that ladders up to, to our overall uh, mission. And I think it's been really helpful to go through this process because all too often you can kind of gloss over that um, when you're thinking about the, the work that you're doing. But the B Corp certification process, like really by definition, makes you uh, pull back the curtain a little bit and really look at who you're serving, why you're serving them, uh, and how that that service affects others, and it's it's I think it's been really really insightful. And that might seem kind of some people ask all the time, well, what what does that exactly mean? And media is and has turned into something so much more than just how you deliver messages on your phone, tablet, computer. So when we're talking about helping people, it's really across uh, physical touch points, but it is also in regards to kind of the science and art of 
helping them think of the story and where that story belongs, whether that is um, reaching people across more traditional mediums to new mediums to in person. It's about that user experience and and making sure that the story connects with people on a on a deeper level. And so you're reaching people more responsibly and and how you reach them through the stories that you share hit a different chord. There's an emotional connection when it comes to storytelling. And so it's how can we do that for folks really hit on a on a deeper chord. And speaking to of that passive awareness to active engagement, can you kind of give an example? I'm thinking like for folks that are listening that are like, OK, that sounds really interesting, but I'm not but maybe struggling to kind of wrap their brain around it. Can you kind of give some examples of like what that actually means and what it looks like? I'll kick off. And then, Dave, I know you have a lot to add here, but from I think a lot starts with a more traditional sense of marketing is that you have your audience, you have your audience market research in the beginning. Then you go to, OK, what is the story we're going to develop? And then kind of the last buckets you typically hit is, OK, then how are we going to reach them? Well, really, what we're talking about is it has to be you. You can't bucket those out in separate because all of that. Um, impacts the person that you're reaching. So when it comes to media, I'll, I'll draw on that, uh, is a lot of folks will say, you know, how many impressions am I going to get? How many clicks am I going to get? There's, there's marketing KPIs, uh, key performance indicators that any CMO is looking for to report on at the end of the day. And then there's the business KPIs as well and how those uh, interact. What we're talking about is Really, a lot of those metrics that we're used to looking at are all passive metrics, impressions, clicks. That's not really telling us the real world impact that we're making on that person that we're reaching and that we're engaging with. So it's, okay, if I'm delivering X amount of impressions um, and we run such a wide gamut running with uh, healthcare to CPG to uh, finance companies, it really means something different to everyone. But if you're I'll use a recent example. Um, we work with a healthcare group. One of the small campaigns that we're running for them is, is a blood drive campaign. Well, instead of saying how many impressions can we reach people to kind of get them signed up for this blood drive, how could we be thinking about the real world impact of that? How many people can we get to get involved with this blood drive? How many pints of blood does that equate to? How many pints of blood does that help in the long run? Um, so it's that human metric at the end of the traditional marketing business metrics that we're talking about. And that can lead from being passively aware. Yep. Impressions. I've been hammered by this message. How many times I'm watching Hulu and I just keep getting this um, chocolate ad over and over. How do I then move someone beyond that message to understanding what is that brand actually about? And is that brand interested in stay in a deforestation effort? Okay, well, that registers with me. How can I get involved with that brand beyond that and make a real world impact? How many acres of the forest are we looking to save? Then I'm moving from someone who's aware to then turning into all the way through to an activist with that brand. Then they're engaged. Then they're locked in beyond just product or service. That's so cool. Because then you're actually measuring like real world impact. Yeah. In a really meaningful way. Yeah. That's awesome. Dave, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah. And I, I think. For us, that idea of moving beyond passive awareness um, really came came to us when we, we were finding ourselves with the same challenge over and over again, where we were working with partners that all the research was saying that, that people really, really cared about their work or their mission or the thing that they were focused on. And, and, and often we, you know, sitting around the conference room table kept on uh, like coming, like saying to ourselves, like if so many people care, why aren't more people helping? And for us, as we were thinking about that, we realized a lot of this work uh, around you know the marketing of these partners was around building more awareness of the problem. Um, and what we have found, both in our own work as well as in the research, is that often more awareness of this big, huge problem isn't what's going to drive. Uh, action and what's necessary is understanding the individualized responsibility that 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 any that any citizen can have, and that when you're when you're thinking about the work that Darigo Collective is doing and all the things Chris was talking about, really what we're talking about is through media and messaging helping individuals, right? Those individual citizens, those individual consumers, 
understand the responsibility and how that's tied to, to that larger problem that they're aware of. But just going beyond letting people know at scale, hey, there's this big problem and you should help bringing it to active engagement around. And here's the way that you as an individual can help. And here's how this partner is keeping uh, themselves accountable to your investment in either time, energy, or, uh, you know, or, or your, you know, or your purchase. So really it all came back to this, you know, this moment where uh, time and time again, we found ourselves saying like, it, it, it seems like everybody cares, but like nobody's doing anything. Why is that? And that became the core of our work. Yeah, I, I love that. And we're going to talk more about that, right? When we talk about value action cap in just a little bit. But um, I, I want to kind of keeping on this thread of using business as a force for good, something that you both have touched on is that very point, which is a huge part of our B Corp certification and what inspired us to, to pursue that. Can you both discuss some of the highs and lows of pursuing business as a force for good? I think some of the some of the highs is it feels it's it's good to get in with this community of like-minded people it's there was recently the uh new england build and ben you had a big part in that that was just really inspiring to be around people who were also uh they're facing some of the same challenges of how doing business the right way is sometimes which it shouldn't be this way is the more challenging way to do business. So how do you overcome some of those obstacles? That comes to everything from how you treat your workers to how you look at your supply chain all the way through. So I think just finding that community of where you can, you know, people are going through those same types of pressure tests in their own business is really powerful. Yeah. And then some of the lows that come with that, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't call them any lows, really. We've just learned so much from doing it. It's a lot of work. I would say, uh, if I were to maybe say if there were equate anything to a low, but I wouldn't because we've learned so much from it, is the time and resources it takes to pursue this kind of work that takes away sometimes from other areas where we need to be working and building. But again, it only makes us better and stronger. So it's, it's, temporary pain, but for long term, just making us better, making the partners that we work with better and, and making the communities around us better for doing it. So, yeah, I think it's, it's also interesting to note that like our, and so our entire B Corp journey has been during like a pandemic. Yeah. Right. And so if you, if it, it, um, it's for me, that's kind of been some of the biggest challenges and hurdles. Um, so we went from you know, a, a, a committee that was working together, uh, you know, to certify as a B Corp and to really do this meaningful kind of deep internal work, meeting in person to then meeting virtually to then meeting hybrid people dealing with their own, you know, mental health and anxiety around what was going on and to stay committed and stay consistent knowing, uh, and again, Ben, you've been a champion of this, both on this podcast and and internally at our own company but just like you have to this only works if you if you put effort behind it right you can't like go through the motions on this and to do and to put that effort in uh as chris was saying when when you have other things that you need to focus on i think was very challenging and i'm really really proud that as an organization we've stayed consistent and stayed focused on this because it would have been very easy to say oh hey you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, we got to figure out how to prioritize X, Y, and Z. Uh, and this is going to get backburnered for now, for right now. And that never happened. And there wasn't a single conversation about that happening, um, which I think speaks to uh, how important it is. And um, again, just, it's so exciting to kind of see beyond the other side of a lot of that, that work and see that like, oh, the work's just beginning. And I think that's actually really like daunting and also really, really cool because it shows that um, all these people, like all the, there's a lot of great companies that have been on this podcast that are much further along in their journey. And to think about all the work that they've done, it, it really gives you an interesting perspective to say, oh, geez, this company that's recertified multiple times and has this amazing score it gives you a really, really cool perspective on it because they've also been through a pandemic. They've also been through these challenges and that for many of them, they've also been through recessions and all these different things and they've stayed consistent and they've done that work. And uh, I think it's, it's inspiring and also daunting. You know what I mean? 
For sure. I'm curious what's been um, thinking about our B Corp journey. Uh, what's been most rewarding about it? Would you say? Grant, we haven't certified quite yet. We're like, right. We're I, I don't know if I don't know if y'all saw uh, my email this morning, but we were we've cleared the disclosure thing. And so we're just finalizing language for the for the site. So we're, we're so close, but we're not there yet. How are y'all feeling about it? And what's been rewarding, most rewarding about the process? Yeah, I'd say most rewarding was I think it was a really smart move, Ben, early on for you to ask, put together a committee, a volunteer committee of people on the team. Because those meetings that we had in today's point, and it really has more from when we were in person to not in person. But those times when we're together and seeing the other members of the team be involved and make this process their own, I think is one of the most rewarding things as a leader. You can see is that, you know, as a leader and and starting the business, it's like that's your dream that you can create this spark and that people will take that spark and turn it into something, uh, a great big fire and to see people get fired up from it was just really powerful and to see them continue to get inspired by that work that we're doing that's inspiring yeah i think on a similar note i mean we we saw employees and team members that typically are pretty quiet and reserve start to really vocalize things that were important to them um, that they wanted to see happen at the company as it related to this work we saw from kind of team member surveys and evaluations that for, for many team members, the most engaged, the most important thing that they felt they were doing at the company was this work. That is not only rewarding to Chris's point as a leader, but also really rewarding as a team member to know that the people around me are as committed to this work as I am and as others are to know that this isn't something that's being forced upon people, that this is a, 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 a team wide effort to try and do this is really is really rewarding and i think um and I, again it's hard to play out different scenarios but i think this has really helped us stay engaged and connected throughout the the pandemic and the remote work and things like this because um this has been a common throughput um throughout again those these last these last two years and it's been something to kind of anchor people together which has been great yeah absolutely and i and i would just add to that too that I think part of what's so cool, and I would encourage folks listening uh, to create their own committees, because the other thing that I think was really cool about that work was that um, a lot of departments that don't normally get the opportunity to work together were able to connect and work together. And I know like, there were folks that I got to know and work with that I don't normally get the opportunity to to work with. Um, so that was also something really special and, and pretty cool. So circling back around to the value action gap. Dave, can you kind of define for the audience, you touched on it a little bit earlier without naming it, but can you kind of define for the audience what the value action gap is and why listeners should care about it? Yeah, absolutely. And we did, we did touch on it uh, a, little, a, a little bit, but essentially it's a well-studied phenomenon that people act in ways that are inconsistent with their values, like kind of full stop. That That is the value action gap. It's, it's you know, there's also kind of, behavior attitude gap, which all of them are very, very similar. The reason why as a company we focused on the value action gap is because with, with what we do as a company, um, so much is tied to uh, consumer action. So for us, in the way that we've been studying it and thinking about it, it's really the phenomenon that uh, consumers' action often are inconsistent with their values. And when we were kind of talking a few minutes ago about um, moving from, you know, passive to active. It's very much tied to that value action gap because one of the big barriers and reasons for the, the value action gap is that individualized responsibility, right? Um, often, you know, there's a few reasons why the phenomenon exists, um, but, but uh, one of them is understanding as an individual, um, right? And in this case, in our case, right, as as an individual consumer, what what can you do? Like, what is your action going to do? You know, there's there's other things involved uh, as well that are tied to our work, uh, but and a lot of it has to do with conflicting uh, interests and uh, how things tie together, right? So a lot of our work around the value action gap is is, is weaving story in, um, knowing that uh, for a lot of uh, for a lot of consumer action, 
uh, the story that somebody tells themselves about that purchase is really powerful. So where we see the most alignment between values and consumer action are with brands where that brand also, uh, there's other things about that brand that align with people's values, right? So, um, and, and many of the, many, and I, I won't, I won't, I won't name them all, but many of them have been on this podcast, but where you have brands that have high status, high social status, and also that consumer action is, is, is tied to their values. You see great success, right? Thinking of like a Patagonia, a mere water bottle, right? So it's like, these things are very, very tied together. But in other cases where we see consumer action being, you know, not, not aligned with values because maybe that action doesn't carry with it the same um, kind of social cachet of a brand that might have more name recognition or any of these other things. Um, that's where we, we see, we, we see that gap. So our work, um, there's, there's, there's a lot more we could talk about, but our work specifically has really been about with media and with messaging. Uh, trying to focus on two really specific things, which is individualized responsibility with consumer action and messaging in the moment that that creates a a, a kind of a, a shoppable moment or a impact moment when somebody is thinking about their values. And we've done that both in the nonprofit space and uh, in the in the consumer space. And the idea is the same, right? So whether or not somebody is, uh, if you're trying to get somebody to volunteer in a community. Even if somebody like somebody might have strong values um, that are aligned with volunteering around a certain issue, right? But if you're not uh, getting them to think about those values at the moment when you need them to take some kind of action, uh, you're going to see you're going to see a value action gap there. And so we've done work kind of aligning on the nonprofit side around volunteering and on the you know within the within within companies on on the brand side around consumer action. But the idea is the same. You have to help somebody understand the individual responsibility that they have and help them understand that responsibility at a moment when they can take action. And that's really what driving from passive awareness to active engagement is all about for us. And and again, just to kind of put into simple terms for folks, like give an example of like the value action gap. I think an example you shared with me the first time you were kind of unpacking the concept was the the recycling example. I think the I think the best example is around people's health. Like like mm. most people do not do not take action that's in line with what they say they care about and when it comes to their health. Right. So a lot of people say that they care about their personal health, but yet they eat junk food or don't exercise. The recycling one is a great example just because it's been studied so much. Right. Like if you took the, the data that out, that's out there around what, how much people say they care about recycling and how much people actually recycle, you see a huge gap. Same with like organic food. If you polled most people, they would say eating organic is important to them, but yet, Organic food sales is such a small segment of the market. For me personally, something something that I'm, ex, I'm really uh, uh, passionate about because I think it's a huge issue is also within ethical work environments. And so, if you ask most people if they if they care about the 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 work environment that a product was produced in, overwhelmingly, most people would say yes. But the segment of people that actually take action is so small that they were exploring some like a label. Um, I think it was called like a no sweat label that was going to like signify that this was like not made in the sweatshop and that there it was, um, you know, that there was, um, you know, ethical kind of work environments in the segment of population that when they did all this research that uh, was actually going to like, uh, like it, it was, it, it was going to be so small. It was going to move like the needle so low that they, I think they like abandoned that, that label. And so those are examples where. The gap is, is, is just kind of clearly understood because most people can understand it. And the reason it's also important for people to kind of, when you're thinking about it, we're, what we're not talking about is virtue signaling, right? We're not talking, we're, the idea here is that, and virtue signaling is, is, is a separate, is a separate thing. And they're somewhat related, but, but not really. When we're talking about value action gap, what we mean is like people actually really care about recycling. They really care about, um, you know, an ethical work environment for the, for the, um, for the products that they, they, that they consume, but there is just a gap between things that stop them from taking action. You know, so it's not somebody who knows that it's socially the right thing to say, I care about recycling, but isn't doing it. It's like, I care about recycling. I want to recycle and I don't recycle nearly as much as you would think I would based on my values. If that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So what are some ways, uh, especially for folks that are listening, what are some ways that businesses can close that gap? I know you both have done a ton of research in this space. 
curious your thoughts. It varies by each business because it, I think one, how they can make a difference is they have to be authentic through and through. I mean, it sounds like such a, a basic thing and not actionable, but the dangerous line that I think some brands try to walk on is they'll try to follow a trend of they see that values are important with consumers. So they'll try to chase that value set without it being actually authentic to who they are as a brand. And as Dave was giving examples, a lot of this can come down to messaging. And that messaging is sure something that we can help with through through media that we're talking about. But a lot of it just has to come through the people that are that, that are in your organization. It has to be through and through your whole organization to make an impact. Because when people are looking at the value action gap, one of the things that they'll find is you're talking about human behavioral change. And how do you make change? You need to make change to systems. And you can't make change to systems if it's not an authentic piece of your business. So you can't say you care about X values that you you want to help farmers uh, in Colombia and not actually look at even going above fair trade value. If you're looking for a fair trade stamp, you have to look, okay, not what am I doing for this mission that we're aligning with, but what are we doing with organizations to make that change? Because then you're asking your consumer base, your your consumers to come along with you in that mission. Um, so it's super important that it's through and through authentic um, to who you are as a brand. And don't try to be something you're not. Because I, I think one thing that we've seen, especially over the last decade, and even before that, I'd hope, but especially in the last few years, I'd say is, there's an understanding that consumers are really smart. We have, as consumers, have access to all the information now. You can see what someone's paying for coffee beans. As a, If you're wondering what Starbucks pays for coffee, you can look at their SEC filing and see how much they're paying for coffee. Everyone has access to that information. So if you try to rip out something that's not true to who you are, it's not going to stick. It's you can't you can't possibly survive off it, nor are you doing good in the mission that you're trying to move forward with. It's not sustainable. And that's why when we talk about people like how are you responsibly developing your messaging, responsibly getting your messaging to people? What are you asking people to be a part of it? it, That's where this whole responsibly different concept came from originally um, is how can we do it responsibly different? And that if everyone can kind of look through that lens, it's a really powerful lens to look through and it's, it's hard work. Yeah, I, I think just to expand on some of what Chris was saying, I think what, what it's mostly about is understanding the values of your customer and then helping those customers understand how they translate that into consumer action. One of the best examples, I think, right, is like Patagonia, where they really helped you understand as a, as a customer who cares about the environment, how you can turn those values into uh into action, right? And they're, I think they, right, they call it like consumer activism. Um, is, and again, I know that's a, a term that a lot of people use, but pretty heavily on Patagonia, right? That, that's how they're talking about it. And so what they've done is given you a roadmap as a customer to understand the process that you can take. And that's, that seems to be what's missing for a lot of brands, right? I think, um, for, for I th- mostly who we're talking to, right? Uh, especially understanding the audience of this of this podcast are uh, people that already uh, maybe their products already designed um, are, are around impact or they're trying to create uh, impact with their product or if they're if you know if they're cons- if they're just consumers who are listening to this and like they they're probably listening because they're trying to harness their purchasing power uh, to make to make you know to improve the you know the planet right so what we're not talking about is complete corporate transformation here uh, what we're talking about is hey if you're a brand, that's cares about this. How do you create that roadmap for your customers the way somebody like Patagonia has? And if you are a company that's trying to do that complete corporate transformation, then it's starting with kind of what I was saying a few minutes ago, which is just what are the values of the, of of the customers that you already have 
and how can you tap into that, you know, collective uh, purchasing power to actually make a real impact on that area of focus, whatever that ends up being. Uh, I think it's important. And this is kind of what I think Chris was saying too, with being authentic is don't, these things have to be in line, be in line, right? The, the values have to line up with the consumer action. Otherwise, it will feel disingenuous. And the good news is, is that there are so many companies that are focused on all these different uh, areas that you can pick and choose and support and engage um, with your purchasing dollars in the spaces that you care deeply about. But it's important to be authentic. And it, as we were saying, it's really important that, it, that, they, that they map and that they, they track together. Um, and again, I'm specifically talking about those personal values and, and, and that um, consumer action. The, the other thing is what I was referencing earlier, right? And maybe it's just because of, you know, as a, as a, a company that thinks about media, media and, and, and shopper marketing, uh, we understand that uh, with, you know, the importance of creating shoppable moments, in, especially in this kind of increasingly uh, digital world. Well, the same holds true when we're talking about the value action gap and we're talking about, um, you know, uh, consumer, act, you know, consumer action. It's really, really important that as a, as a company, you're thinking about how am I, you know, how am I reminding our audience of their values at the moment when they can take action, right? So it's not about, hey, we're doing all this messaging around impact over here. And then here's a very transactional kind of moment where you're going to be shopping. It's about, no, like these are you has you, these are your values. Um, you've said they're your values in some way. And again, I'm, I'm speaking with broad brush, but like, you know what I mean? Something around like reaffirming that these are your values. And this is a, this is a moment in which you can take direct action. And this is, and then again, tying it to that uh, individualized responsibility that we were talking about a few minutes ago, it's just like, and here's the impact of that, that you are having. And when you do those three things, it feels like people start start to build momentum. And that's the traction that we see. Uh, and again, a great example of that is some is somebody like Mir, right? Where they do that really, really well. So uh, hopefully that that helps. And it's it's something that, again, we're not the only ones thinking about this. This is the exciting thing is that there are tools and technologies and, and systems that are making this easier. And all the things that are designed around creating shoppable moments can easily be used for uh, for this. And, and all the things that are typically used to build awareness can be used to talk about how personal values are tied to consumer action. So it's a great time to be focusing in on this. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of blue sky for sure. That's really cool. I think just to um, give a shout out to another company uh, that actually has also been on the show is Etik. And I'm just thinking of them because I recently made a purchase from them. But what's so cool when you purchase from Etik, so they're uh, a plastic free, um, I guess, be- I don't want to say beauty, but like uh, personal care products brand right so like it's shampoo bars shampoo conditioners that kind of thing what's so cool is when you purchase from them you can actually see in your account the impact that you as an individual have had so it'll say you've saved like if i log into my account i can see it'll say like i've saved x amount of plastic from landfills i've saved x amount of water um it's really cool like being able to put that context for the consumer too i think is also super powerful i'm curious can y'all share with us a bit more about what do you see as Dero collective's role as a media company in closing that gap before you jump in chris i mean I just because i don't this is exactly i think what we were talking about a few a, a few moments ago which is just so uh so often uh companies are coming to their media partner to understand you know when when and where is the right moment and what we're saying is we're tying that to consumer action, right? So I think we have a unique role to play here because we have done, we've done the audience research, we've done the platform research, and we can help our partners understand where and when is going to be the most impactful kind of use of that spend to tie those personal values to that consumer consumer action. That's it. I think a lot of the times the the media of yesteryear, and it's not even yesteryear, there's still a lot of messaging out there around this, is just uh, media companies going out to brands of all sizes and um, talking about how we can help you reach the right audience. Uh, if that's what you're thinking about today, there's so much more opportunity. It's what Dave was talking about earlier too. There's so many great resources out there. There's so much information about people. There's so much technology uh, with when and where to reach them. 
Um, and then tying that back to what you're talking about, Ben, with Atik, about then you can tie those metrics to consumer and real world impact metrics. You can pull down from impressions all the way down to that personal impact that you're getting from Atik. So it's like how no, like that's what we should be talking about. How can we use these platforms? And they're not all, um, you know, as we talk about the tomorrow for uh, broadcast television and radio. And there's still a great place for that because there's ways to how can we wrap our messaging around a large audience? And then how can we really mobilize a core audience to talk about some of this deeper consumer activism type work that we're doing. Um, so it's understanding the, the audience better where media's role is. And then to Dave's point, um, when and where, and then what that leads to is really it. Yeah. Um, just thinking about how can I reach the right people now? It's like, Oh my goodness, there's so many places to reach people because people are, I'm talking to you on this podcast. I have a computer and tablet there and I have a TV on right behind me. How to reach the right people is the easiest thing because they're so glued into so many different channels. Um, so that's kind of the light, higher, higher, uh, higher level work that we do now. It's like, no, how can we dig deeper into that? And then, you know, I would say it's not just a company like Dergo Collective, but also all the all the, the the brand and creative agencies and the internal agencies for these companies because we we you know we talked a little bit about like the motivational complexities um, that that kind of hinder the value action gap and a lot of that has to do with 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 brand um, right so when making a decision somebody might say okay I know that this brand's kind of uh, is more aligned with my values but this brand over here is really well known and my friends will think I'm cool if I buy this. And so a lot of what the work that, um, you know, marketing has to do is really promote that message and really, you know, have creative and insights that are, that, that get at that. Um, and that's the only way to make this work, right? We we're talking, even in this conversation, we're talking about brands and we're talking about some well-known brands. Well, they're well-known because they do a very, very good job in this space. There's lots of great companies that are making a real impact, but they haven't yet figured out how to tell that story and have it and have it take off. Um, and that's the work of their creative partners and their internal creative folks. Um, so I do think that there's a lot of exciting work for both advertising and media agencies to do here, um, both in kind of mitigating some of those motivational um kind of competing values uh as well as in the in, in the kind of the media mix uh part and i think another exciting is uh as a media company informing brands how their dollars uh are living in the ecosystem of media there's a lot there's there's a lot of value that goes into supporting local journalism and, and news deserts that we're seeing now as local print pubs are going away and broadcast journalists are being strapped and resources are being strapped. So how can we help brands understand how to invest responsibly with those dollars too is really important uh, in order to keep a informed enough society where we have true, honest information. That's so true. And there's so many amazing uh, studies out there on news deserts and the impact to local community. I mean, it's huge it impacts everything from healthcare to what you pay for taxes. I mean, it's, it's really um, journalism is so important. Uh, so that's such a great point. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris. Uh, I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about the responsibly different ventures and how that kind of came about what it is and, and what we hope to accomplish with it? Sure. Yeah. So I think. No, uh, and then Chris, I'll, I'll turn it over to you in a second, but just to say, um, we, we were sharing right around sitting around the conference room, trying to figure out if geez, if so many people care, why aren't more people helping? Well, what we also found was for many of these conversations, uh, and the people we were trying to solve this problem for, we're going to struggle to afford, to afford us. And we found that oftentimes some of the, the newer startups that were trying to, uh, you know, create an, an impact with their, with their product or um, some of the nonprofits that we wanted to work with, they, we were very much uh, in lockstep in terms of 
how we wanted to work together and the work that needed to be done. But there wasn't a, a, a pathway uh, for us to in, engage. And when we tried to like really think about this, we were like, okay, well, this happens all the time when, you know, just in consumer space where, yeah, so, you know, company, you know, partners with somebody and, and, and they take an equity position in that business because they're going to help them grow because they're going to be, a, you know, this large consumer company. Well, we were, we were thinking about it and we were like, well, why couldn't that same model work here where we're, you know, we're really aligned in the impact that they're trying to make. We're invested in that impact. And so we uh, wanted to create a new model in which we could engage with those partners who maybe very early on in their journey needed the kind of support that we've been talking about during this conversation, but couldn't afford typical kind of agency uh, and, and marketing services. And more than that, uh, couldn't afford some of the best in class partners. We were realizing that was the other thing is that um, we looked at the marketplace and it seemed like uh, for many of the, the the companies that were the most focused on impact were also kind of um, spending the most money, like either back into the business to make that impact into their supply chain, um, supporting kind of great working conditions for those that are making the product that left, left them with less money to focus on uh, marketing and, uh, in media strategy. So that, that really was the, the moment for us where we realized there is a path forward here. And that, and that, that was kind of the, the, the impetus for responsibly different ventures. That's awesome. And how exact, so for, and what does that look like? So it's an equity stake in their growth over time, right? Am I understanding that right? There isn't any kind of hard formula here. Uh, we have um, some cases where we're exploring uh, a new model of work. We have some where we're, yeah, we are taking an equity position in lieu of fee to be able to help them grow. And we have some where we are just taking a, a partnership approach to that, to, to the impact that they're trying to make and really aligning uh, our organization with their impact and trying to find new new models for for working together. So we're really open to exploring to exploring any avenue with a partner that is struggling to do the work that we've been talking about but seems laser focused on harnessing, you know, purchasing power to improve the planet or people's lives. And that goes beyond B Corps. I think like I know we're really focused here on, on this podcast about B Corps because all the great work that B Corps do, but there's a lot of great organizations out there, especially the ones to what we're talking about with responsibility for ventures that are starting up. They might not have the capacity to go through the B Corp process, but to everything that we're talking about, they're laser focused on impact. They're building schools and they're helping put together health plans for, for farmers and in countries. So it's not it's not constrained by just talking about B Corps. There's to Dave's point when we're talking about you can be a good organization, focus on impact and not necessarily be an impact uh, B Corp yet. B Corp's just sweet because then for those companies that are doing it, it it verifies everything that uh that they stand for. It's it's that stamp of, yeah, we actually do what we're talking about. But yeah. We understand that it's it's a lot of work to become a B Corp. So And there's a long queue too. So there are a lot of folks that are pursuing or interested in B Corp that are in process. I mean, it took us I mean it took us uh it took us a full year just to complete the B impact assessment. And here we are two years later and so close to being certified, but still not yet. So it, you know, just just because folks aren't certified yet doesn't mean that they're not doing good work. Absolutely. So what is the criteria of the businesses that you're looking to partner with? Yeah, specific, specifically for this model, where we're looking to partner with uh, early stage consumer companies. So again, really thinking of like uh, early stage consumer packaged good companies or um, uh, high growth e-commerce companies where through purchasing the product or service that they that they make um, there's a direct impact that individual consumers can have and that it's that it's measurable and if someone's listening and is thinking oh my gosh that's me and they're interested in in chatting with you all about partnering what, what should their next steps be go over to deergocollective.com we have a responsible different ventures section they can kind of see we uh, have a neat piece that's kind of talks about the science of storytelling that goes into this different way this different approach to marketing your brand 
Um, and then there's a, if that's resonating with you and you know you're focused on focusing on real world impact, then contact us. Also, I have to call out this is the 50th episode. I'm curious, would have been, you know, I know you both listen to the show. What have been some of your biggest takeaways and favorite lessons learned from the show? I love the conversation you had with Dean from Dean's Beans. Um, a lot of what he talked about was setting up, and I, I forget exactly what he he calls the work that they that they do, but a lot of that language again around doing things with communities. So it's really about going into a community if they want to focus on healthcare for their farmers or building or getting higher pay. It's teaching that community everything from running the program themselves, so working with them, so they're running the program. And that involves marketing. That involves everything. And a lot of what he talked about just resonates with what we've been talking about here and talking with our brand partners about is there's real power if you can um, kind of break that traditional chain of we hold the information so we can only do the work. If we can share with our brand partners how to do this work that we're doing, where this information is coming from, and then we can work with the areas of impact that they're doing and then show those people how they can own that process and own that system, then you can talk about changing systems. Then you can talk about changing human behavior, and then you can make the impact. So I just, I loved, he is a brilliant, brilliant man, and he has a great conversation about everything that Dean's Beans has been doing across all um their different product lines and and what they're doing in the world for good, which is super inspiring. That was a great conversation. What about for you, Dave? So I have a few favorite episodes, which I think is different than maybe. So I think, you know, we can talk about that in a second, but lesson, but lessons learned. I, I think it, it, again, I, I was, you know, referencing that we had written on that whiteboard, like if so many people care, why aren't more people helping? Well, I think what I've learned, one of my biggest lessons is like, so many people care and so many people are helping. It is amazing to hear how many people are um, spending their entire life uh, trying to, to do uh, the important work of in, improving people's lives and improving our planet. It, you know, as, you know, as individuals, we have the brands that we interact with and we know that the work that, that they're doing. But what this podcast has really done for me personally is open my eyes to all the different walks of life that can bring somebody to work in either, you know, sustainability. And, and, I, and I think sustainability actually probably is the right term for all of this, right? Because I think sustainable communities, sustainable lives, sustainable planet. Like, I think that um, it's interesting just to see how many different life choices can bring somebody to this work and how many different ways people can get at this, um, at this challenge. It's been inspiring to see the, how far along many people are in the journey. You mentioned somebody like, like, like Dean or, or Ben from Ben and Jerry's or, um, or even, you know, you know, a brand like, like Tom's of Maine. It's like, it, it's, it's really powerful to see how far along some, some folks are in their journey. Um, but at a time, and again, maybe I'm reflecting on the past few years and kind of some of the anxiety and stress and, and all of that that's comes from, from what we've all been kind of living through. But at a time when when it, you, it, there can feel like there's a lot of despair to 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 listen to a podcast and hear, oh wow, they're they're really about something. They're really doing something. They found their people and they're going after it. Um, it's 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 been a great lesson because it's allowed m- me and I think us as a company to not lose focus. To know that there's a lot, our ilk is out there and they're working hard. So we better we better we better keep it up. Yeah, absolutely. Um- any advice or insights for other folks looking to use business as a force for good? I would say advice-wise, it's um, find your your core people um, and surround yourself with them and uh, be open with them about the challenges. Uh, I, I'm paraphrasing Walt Disney, but he once said something like, "You can build uh, one of the you know the greatest place in the world, but it takes people to make the dream a reality." That is entirely true, and especially when you're doing challenging work of what we're talking about is we're talking about changing the model of capitalism in a lot of ways. And that's really hard work. I know we've had to turn, we've turned away people, we've turned away business because it didn't allow us to do some of this deeper work. 
and that's really hard. It's, it's, it's easy as opportunities, especially um, when you're a good person and you have smart people around you, opportunities arise to do business. And it's really easy to chase, well, ooh, you know, our margins would be a lot better if we did that. And, oh, if we worked with, you know, this company, this organization, whatever way, and that comes in so many different facets, oh, we could be making so much more and that brings this. That's, that's kind of the, the easy part when you have smart people. But when you have smart, caring people that are mission and value aligned with you, that's what you need to uh, to grow and do this hard work of of changing the model and doing good for others and and always striving to be better. So find those people. And they come just like Dave mentioned how Dave and I met. They will come when you put that energy out into the universe. It happens. Dave and I met, didn't know each other, met at a cop shop and it transferred from there. Ben, you were doing plenty of uh, really amazing work across campaigns across the country. Never did I think I'd have the opportunity to work with my brother, but you were also inspired because we were just putting that energy out there that we want to be, we want this business to stand for something more, to be a platform for more. And the window opened where you could work and bring your skills and talents and, and perspective into this. So put that energy out there, be loud about it, be proud about it. Know that it's challenging work. Don't shy away. Don't let don't let perfection get in the way because then you'll find yourself silencing yourself and you can't silence yourself to find the right people and, and just stay laser focused. Um, and know that to Dave's point there, there's a lot of, uh, great people that are doing this work that you can, that you can partner with, work with, learn from. Um, and this is a platform that you're exposing some of those people. So don't go down the, don't go down the path. That's, you know, always followed. And I would just say, do the, do the hard work to make it easy for people to make an impact, right? It's like, we have to always be thinking about all the, all the friction that can uh, happen along that journey, uh, from intention to action. And so do the hard work of making it easy for them and the rest will follow. And Chris stole my, my, that's exactly it. Talk about what's important to you. Chris and I, um, had a, had a, had a chance meeting because I talked about what was important to me. He was talking about what was important to him and somebody who knew us both said, you, you, you both should meet. And then I felt, and then I became an employee of a company that I, I, that I, I, you know, I really believed in and was able to do this, this work. And it only happened because, uh, everybody was talking about what was important to them. Otherwise people wouldn't have known to connect us. We didn't have anything in common. We had never met. It was just that people thought, Oh, you two should, you two should meet. And I think it's, again, goes to everything Chris was saying, be loud and proud about what's important to you. Even if people don't agree, or if it's different than what they're, it's important to them. Own, own your truth and, and then yeah, make it easy for people. Now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I have been secretly hoping that we would be certified before this episode aired. So I delayed the interview and recording of the intro and outro till the very last minute. Typically, we record interviews a month or more out. And this conversation we recorded just this past Monday, July 18th, at which point we were not certified. Well... Super excited to share. Last night, July 20th, 2022, Chris Marine, our founder and CEO, signed the B Corp Declaration of Interdependence with this note from our B Corp certification analyst. And I quote, We are thrilled to share that we have completed the review of your assessment and have arrived at a finalized score. Congratulations on completing the verification process and soon finalizing the certification. We are beyond thrilled. Our certified score is 89.5. And while we are super duper excited, we also recognize that this is just the beginning. We are committed to continuing to learn and grow and be even better tomorrow than we are today. 
Truly, thank you so much for being on this journey with us. Here's to the next chapter. Till next time, be responsibly different. This episode was produced by yours truly, Ben Marine, and the music was written and performed by our very own Kevin Oates. To learn more about Responsibly Different and access the other resources we have available to you, visit responsiblydifferent.com. To learn more about our parent company, Dirigo Collective, and Responsibly Different Ventures, visit dirigocollective.com. That's D-I-R-I-G-O collective.com.